This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Today we are continuing our talk about uh, Devorah and the two famous heroines of Israel, Devorah and Yael. So it's very good because someone this morning asked me, who is Yael? You heard of Yael? <laughs> so it's good that we're talking about Yael as well. Yael and Devorah. We're talking about the period after Joshua, Yahushua, the period of Judges. And we said there were seven female prophetesses. Let's briefly go through them again. Sarah, who is a prophetess, uh, Hashem says to Abraham, Listen to her voice. This is the voice of her prophecy. Number two is Miriam. Miriam and Neviah. She was the wife. Uh, she was the wife of Caleb, and she was the sister of Aaron and Moshe. So three prophets in that family. It must be a very interesting family. Three prophets in the family, two brothers and one sister, both all prophets. Then we had Devorah, which we're talking about now. Devorah is a prophetess. We said she broke the glass ceiling. Why? She was not just a prophetess. She was also the only female judge that we ever had in our history. Uh, the only female judge. This is totally foreign to Jewish uh, viewpoint to have a Dayan, a judge who is uh, a female but she was possessed by God, and therefore she was, uh, they respected her. You couldn't argue with her. She had Ruha Kodesh, she had the spirit of prophecy, you couldn't argue with her. And she was a judge, but she judged in public under the, the date palm of Devorah. We talked about that last week, the date palm of Devorah. And uh, today we have a special class. I want to dedicate it to my rabbi, Rabbi Kassin, Shlomo Kassin, and he should have a refuah shlema. So Sarah, Miriam, Devorah, Hannah, which we have to talk about, Hannah, the mother of Prophet Samuel, was also a prophetess. People don't realize that. And Abigail, who is the wife of David Amelech, uh, she was also a prophetess. We have to talk about that as well. Remind me, we're going to talk about it. We talk about David Amelech. We talk about his wife, Abigail, a very, very important woman. And Hulda. Hulda, we said that there's a gate. If you go to the te- Temple Mount today, don't go, not go, you don't have to go inside, you go around it. So the Wailing Wall, Kotel, you go on the right side, around the, around the wall, you have to go underground into the, into the diggings over there, through the passageway over there underground, and you go into the digging over there on the right side of the Kotel, and you'll see you go up, the steps of the Temple Mount are still there, the old steps, the Second Temple. So the wall of the, of the Second Temple, you can still see where they knocked down the stones. The Romans knocked down the stones of the wall to the ground, you can see the dent they made in the ground. You can see the massive stones, part of the court, uh, the wall of the temple, second temple, uh, which is still standing. The, the, the walls are not standing in entirety, obviously, but a good chunk of wall is still standing. They couldn't destroy it. So it's just covered up with rubble. They just covered up with the rubble. They, they knocked down the, the walls. I don't know, as, many, as many stones, these massive stones. Imagine knocking these stones down from the wall. They just got fed up. There's just so many stones. They're so heavy. They couldn't knock them down. So the walls of the second temple, you see the Kotel standing, but also the other wall on the right side is also standing. And the steps going up to Hilda's Gate is still there. So you go to Hilda's Gate. You can stand outside Hilda's Gate. Obviously, they don't open anymore. And that's where they built um, inside the gate. They built the, one of the big mosques over there. Al-Aqsa Mosque is right there. And so Hilda was one of the big famous prophetesses in the time of Jeremiah. And lastly, we have Esther. Queen Esther is also a prophetess. So we have the seven female prophets. Devorah is one of them. And one of the lesser known stories of Devorah is the Jews were attacked by uh, the Canaanites. Now, it's interesting because uh, Joshua's mission was unsuccessful. We talked about this. He never completed his mission. His mission was to get rid of all the Canaanites from Canaan and inherit the land. Unfortunately, they inherited part of the land they left pockets of Canaanites in the land. Big failure. The Torah warns us, don't leave pockets of Canaanites. They're going to be thorns in your eyes. And literally, they were thorns in our eyes. Sometimes they cause us physical trouble, but mostly called us spiritual trouble. What spiritual trouble they cause us? They were tremendously big idolaters and tremendously immoral. So these Canaanites influenced us. They were the influence, the bad influence on the Jewish people. And uh, this Canaanite king, Yavin, he, gets, uh, he starts growing stronger and stronger, and eventually he gets an army, and his general Sisera attacks the Jews. So the Jews were crying out to God. Again, we said there's a cycle in the book of Judges. 
you sin, you get attacked, cry out to God, God sends a judge. And this time God sent a female judge, Devorah, the prophetess, and uh, she is the one who rallies the troops. So she is the one who rallies the troops. And we find uh, the, the Torah tells us in the book of Shoftim, chapter 3, actually chapter 4, um, it introduces Devorah. I just want to read you very quickly what it says. The children of Israel continued to do what was evil in the eyes of God, which they were doing idolatry. And uh, once Ehud, we talked about uh, two weeks ago, Ehud, the left-handed, right? He passed away, was a judge prior to Devorah. And Hashem delivered them in the hands of King Yavin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hatzor. Hatzor is also one of the famous archaeological digs. Hatzor was uh, destroyed many times, rebuilt many times, one of the famous cities of Israel, who, which was uh, destroyed and, and rebuilt all the time. And the general of his army of Yavin was Sisera. And the, the Sisera had seven, the, the Egyptians had 700 chariots, and Sisera had 900 iron chariots. That was a massive force. The chariots in those days were the tanks of today. The massive force of weapons, and the Jews were really being tortured and uh, pillaged by uh, Sisera. They cried out to God, but Sisera had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the Jewish Jews forcefully for 20 years. 20 years of oppression under the Canaanites. And we said last week, it wasn't just a physical oppression, it was a spiritual oppression. What was the spiritual oppression? So we said the bad example they were setting in the peer pressure of idolatry and morality, but also uh, Sisera and Yavin were making a mockery of Hashem. They said, your God is helpless. Your God is pathetic. And the proof is we can conquer you. We can, we can afflict you. So they were making a mockery of Hashem. And it says, Hashem says, the Midrash says, Hashem says, oh, you're making a mockery of me. I'm weak, right? You guys are going to fall into the hands of two women, which is the title of this week's class. Um, Heroines of Israel, Devorah and Yael, the two women who destroyed Yavin and Sisera. And that was like the final insult for them. They said, where are we? Hashem is weak. They're even weaker. They fall into the hands of the two women. So uh, what happens is the children are cried out to Hashem. And Hashem answers by sending Devorah, the prophetess. And the Torah says she was the wife of Lapidot. Now Lapidot, literally Lapid, is a, a flame, a torch, a flame. And uh, so why was she called the wife of Lapidot? So rabbis say her husband, she got a husband to make torches to put in the Beit HaMidrash. So people could learn at night. She, he would, that was his uh, big sadaka mission to put torches so people could learn to write at night. And that was the merit he had. So he was, she was the power behind him. She motivated him to serve God in his own way. And she found something for him to do, Lapidot. So Lapidot, some people say Lapidot was the general Barak, which we're going to talk about right now. So there's a big discussion. Was Barak the general of Devorah her husband or was he someone else? Now the story, you can't really tell so much, but it seems that he was a foreign uh, person. He was a different person. He was not a husband. But let's, let's just talk about that as, a little bit. So it says that Devorah was the wife of Lapidot. doesn't say Barak. That's number one. She would sit under the date palm of Devorah, which became a book. We said Rabushe Kerr-Rivero, very famous Kabbalist, who wrote a book called Tomer Devorah, where he specifies how can a person emulate Hashem's traits. So he goes to the 13 traits of God, and he talks about how we can emulate Hashem's traits. Very interesting sefer. It's not a Kabbalistic sefer, but he was a top Kabbalist before the Arizal, Moshe Cordovero, buried in Sfat, right next to the grave of the Arizal. So it was just before the Arizal. When he died, the Arizal took over. So, okay, so uh, she sat under the date palm of Devorah. We said it so because she was a woman. And a woman's not allowed to be alone with a man. And so she would sit in the open and judge the Jews. So no one would uh, cast dispersions about her character, about her uh, relationships. And uh, she would sit in the public under the date palm of Devorah and judge the Jewish people. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Enoam of Naphtali, of the tribe of Naphtali, and said to him, Hashem, God of Israel, has commanded, go and convince the people to go towards Har Tabor, the mountain of Tabor which is in the lower Galilee, and take with you 10,000 men. So it's about a couple of kilometers west of the Kinneret. It's between the Mediterranean and the Kinneret, Har Tabor. And take with 10,000 men from the children of Tali and from the children of Zebulun. 
and uh, I will draw towards you, Sisera, the sister is going to come towards you to the brook of Kishon, with the whole of uh, Yavin's army, with his chariots and his multitudes. Um, and the rabbis say there were hundreds of thousands of troops that this guy mustered, and uh, Barak only had 10,000. So you can see now the blessing, one of the blessings in the Torah is that, that uh, 10 of you will run after 100, that's 10 to 1, and 100 of you will run after 10,000. That's one to a thousand. That's that's a very big proportion. And this is the same story of Barak, 10,000 men against 100,000 uh, of Sisa. And uh, Hashem says, I will deliver him into your hand. This was a message that Devorah sent to Barak, that Hashem commanded that he should lead the people and uh, against Yavin, against Sisera. And Barak says a very strange response. He says, if you go with me, I will go. If you will not go with me, I will not go. This is very strange. Here is the general of Israel telling Devorah, I need your help. You're a woman. I'm a man. I'm meant to be a general. I'm meant to be a mighty warrior. But I'm not going without you. I'm not going to fight this war without you. This is a big discussion. Why not? So obviously, there's uh, one of the ways of winning the war is um, moral high ground and morale. Morale. So she was the prophetess. She was in direct communication with God. If she was with him, the people would fight. If she was not with him, maybe they wouldn't fight. She knew how to motivate the men. She would speak uh, like an army chaplain. So in those days, we had what's called Kohen Mashuach Melchama. There had to be a priest, high priest of the war. He was a chaplain for the army. Imagine, there was a high priest in the temple, and there was a high priest set aside for wars. He was a Kohen Mashuach Melchama. He's called anointed for wars, a priest anointed for wars. That was a normal case over here we find that instead of the priest anointed for wars it was a prophetess Devorah went with Barak which we're going to talk about so number one we have a question and this question the, the commentaries ponder where did she get a really a message from Hashem saying that Barak has to go and lead the army where was this message so the, the commentaries tell us and this is about Daniel Kuchimori she says that Hashem commanded you to go and fight so Yalka Shimoni says it was really a generic command given to Moshe Rabbeinu, the command to inherit the land of Israel, which we said Joshua, Yeshua failed in taking over the whole land and conquering the Canaanites. And this is what the command was. So, so Devorah is saying to Barak, there's a command in the book of Torah, in, in the five books, the command is to inherit the land of Israel. And that is your mission. Your mission is to go and fight Yavin underneath the rubric of this command. In other words, the command is enough to be a specific command for you. In other words, it's an interesting concept because the Ramban has in his book of mitzvot, which he adds, uh, he says, Ramban forgot a couple of mitzvot. One of the mitzvot is to fight for the land of Israel, conquer the land of Israel, inherit the whole land of Israel. This is basically the mission which Rav Cook took on and his followers who, who settled parts of the West Bank and uh, we call it Judea and Samaria. They're the ones who follow this mission. They say the Torah, and this is what uh, Devorah commanded Barak. How can we leave the land of Israel under these Canaanites? They're a thorn in our side. There's a mission which is incomplete. Hashem commands you to be the general to fight in this mission. Obviously, he was capable. He was apparently one of the uh, wise men or who served Yeshua. So he, was, uh, he knew about war, he knew about uh, armies, he knew about leadership from the time of Yeshua, and therefore she appointed him as the most suitable person to lead the army. Anyway, so that's the command. The command is, it's not a command she got personally from Hashem, so it's a command of the Torah, let's fulfill this myth from the Torah. You, I'm appointing you to be the shaliach for Am Yisrael. In other words, it's a mitzvah on Am Yisrael, it's not a mitzvah on individuals. This command to conquer the land of Israel and live it and to inherit the land of Israel is a command not just to individuals, it's a command to society. Israeli society is a mitzvah to inherit the land of Israel, to live in the land, whole land of Israel. And the Torah says, Borashtem, Otam, Bishaftem Bam. You will inherit them and you will dwell in them. So that's the land of Israel. We are mitzvah, there's a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. And that's what the Torah tells Barak. There's a command for you to lead the army, which is the command in the Torah to conquer the land of Israel, and therefore you have to fight these fanatics who are troubling us.
So that's very fascinating. That's what the Yalka Chimani says. I wouldn't have never said this. I just said she got a personal prophecy to, to give to Barak to lead the, the army against uh, Yavin and Sisera. But the Yalka Chimani says, no, this is a generic command in the Torah for every Jewish community, to every Jewish leadership to take over the land of Israel, to, come, to uh, conquer the whole land of Israel. It's amazing. Yalka Chimani, which is very applicable to us today. Hello, Asiva Hashem, she says. Hashem command, didn't Hashem command? Amazing uh, language, right? Didn't Hashem command to conquer the land? So therefore go and conquer. Barak says, if you go with me, I will go. So very strange. This is very strange. Why is Barak telling her to come with him? So he said, good for morale, uh, spiritual leadership. Uh, she could motivate the, motivate the people with the words of God, which he couldn't do. So that is that is the question. Why did he say you have to come with me? Was it just morale? Was it just spiritual leadership? So the rabbis over here <clears throat> that she told him, "You're the one most suitable to be the elder. You're the one who's going to lead the command, lead the army." And he says to her, "He says you are more important than me. This victory is not going to be my victory. I want to make sure the people who praise the victor of this battle." They're not going to praise me. They're going to praise you because this battle is in your merit. You are the guiding factor. You are the motivator. You are the one who uh, commanded me to go in God's name. And therefore, you are going to get all the credit. You are going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be the general, but you're going to come with me and take credit for this victory. So this victory is going to be the victory of a woman. This is, this is God's hand. God wanted these two Rashaim to be turned off into the hands of a woman. And one of the women was Deborah, this uh, great prophetess, this great judge. So Barak gives over to her the power in, in terms of uh, he's going to lead the army, but she's going to be with him. And uh, the victory is going to be in her name, not in his name. He's giving over the victor, the victory to her. He's going to give over the victory to her. And she has to come with him. So people say, Deborah was commanding us. Deborah was the leader. They won't even mention Barak, which is interesting because today, most people want the honor and the credit themselves. They're not willing to hand over. So even though Barak did most of the work, since she was leading, he had this, this innate uh, humility to say it wasn't him, it was her. And she would say, it wasn't me, it was God. So that's the beautiful uh, Jewish humility over here. It wasn't me, it was God. You know, it's interesting. There's a story. I, I don't. I never. I don't know this firsthand. I know the second hand. That Rabin in the Six Day War, General Rabin was the head of the chief. He was the chief of staff of the Israeli army in the Six Day War. Um, he he says after the Six Day War, which is eventually was uh, um, it was taken out. It was. Uh, he said it wasn't us. It was a miracle. The Six Day War was a miracle. He said explicitly it was a miracle. And then later on, you know, people forgot about that. Uh, it was the it was the Sahal. You know, they started saying it was the army. That's when the 73 war came along. And they saw how useless the army was. So it's interesting. When he won the Six-Day War, he was the commander-in-chief. He said it was a miracle. It was a, it was a miracle. It really was. The Six-Day War was a tremendous miracle. I remember that day. I remember those days very well. I was a little kid in school. And we were all trembling. Six-day war, we're hearing the reports. Egypt is saying we're throwing them in the sea. Syria is saying we're winning. Jordan said we're winning, and, and they were really losing all the time. And within six days, it was over the six-day war. It's a tremendous miracle. A lot of Jews they became bothered Cuba because of the six-day war. A lot of Jews moved to Israel. A lot of Jews went to Yeshiva because of the six-day war. And that's when the Baal-Tashiva movement started. Amazing. Six-day war was a tremendous watershed in Jewish history. Tremendous watershed in Jewish history. And uh, we'll see more miracles like that. We want to see more miracles, tremendous miracles like that. And uh, miracles like that are tremendously powerful for uh, Jewish uh, morale and survival of the Jewish people. That, those are things that can turn on vast Jews in America. When they hear these things, they get turned on. A lot of them moved to Israel and a lot of them became part of Juba. We need miracles like that. So that's the kind of miracle that Devorah is going to do. But people are going to say, it's not Barak, it was Deborah. She went with the army and her leadership caused this tremendous victory. So he said, this is God's hand. God wants to teach these two guys, these two people who mocked God. Yavid, king of Canaan, and Sisera, that his general would mock God. Say so he's powerless, he's impotent, your God is impotent. And God says, I'm going to hand you over into the hands of these two women. So Deborah was one of them. 
So that's why Deborah says uh, to Barak, you have to go. And Barak says, I'm only going with you. So what happens? They go to Har Tabor. And they tell Sisera, Barak went up Har Tabor. Obviously, he has a lot of chariots, 900 chariots. And he goes, he wants, he's on his way to Har Tabor. He gets, he gets to the brook of Kishon, which is on the way. And Deborah says to Barak, we got a message from God. This is the day on which Hashem is going to hand you Sisera. So Hashem has gone before you. So Barak goes down from Matavor, 10,000 men. And Hashem had panicked Sisera and all the chariots and the entire camp. Right? And apparently heard large noises of uh, armies coming towards them. And they were panicked. And the chariots went into this, into this uh, stream, which obviously is not just a stream, it's more a river. The Kishon River, uh, probably today it's just a little stream, but it was a river that time. And the chariots got stuck in the mud. And they all, Barak is chasing them and knocking them out one by one. And Sisera dismounts from his chariots and he flees by foot. And where does he end up? He fled on his foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Hever, the Kenit. Who is Hebra Kani? Who is a direct descent? Both of them were descendants of Yitro. Yitro. So here we have a lot of different opinions over here. So this was the prophecy that Sisera was going to fall by the hands of a woman, which was tremendous in those days, a tremendous insult. Today we know there's women all over in different armies. And people don't even know they're flying airplanes, they're dropping bombs. We, uh, no one knows. Um, I don't know if it make a difference. They they know they're going to be knocked off by a, by a woman or a man today. I don't think it's much difference. But in those days, it was like a big deal to be killed by a woman. It's like the final insult, and that's what Hashem. They're insulting God. That's what I'm going to insult. I'm going to insult you. In those days, to be killed by a woman was like the final insult, and that's why he ran away. Hashem arranged it. He ends up outside the tent of, of Yael. We have to talk about Yael. Yael is a tremendous... Uh, the rabbi says she was on the level of the four mothers. Say Esther also was on the level of the mothers. Sarab, Karachel, our mothers, our four mothers, tremendously high level, were known for their modesty and spirituality, and Yael was on that kind of level. We're going to talk about her. And who was Heber Akini? So Kini, Kini was uh, one of the names of uh, Yitro. Yitro was the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu. He had seven names. Yitro had seven names. And uh, he had descendants who joined the Jewish people, who converted, joined the Jewish people. And these are the descendants who joined the Jewish people, Hever Akini and his, all his, his band, descendants of Yitro, and his wife, Yael. So and we don't know exactly where Hever was that day. He wasn't around. And Sisera ends up outside the tent of Hever Akini. And Yael goes out towards Sisera. I don't know how she recognized them. Obviously, they had dealings before. And she says, turn aside, my Lord. Turn aside to me. Do not fear. Here's he's exhausted. He's running away on by foot, away from the battle. He's being chased by Barak. And he needs a place to sleep. He needs a place to have some food. And so he goes inside her tent. And she covered him with a blanket. Now, this word blanket is very, very critical. It's quoted by Reish Lakish. You know, this famous duo, just like Batman and Robin, we had duos among rabbis. Uh, so it's one of the famous duos of rabbis, uh, Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan were like three generations after Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Yochanan was one of the students of Rabbi Huda Nasi. Rabbi Huda Nasi was a, a Jew, the prince who wrote the Mishnah. And it says he had a brother-in-law called Reish Lakish, who was a famous Baltashiva. Reish Lakish was a bandit. He became a Baal Teshuva and became Rabbi Yochanan. He married Rabbi Yochanan's sister. That's why he became a Baal Teshuva. And he married Rabbi Yochanan's sister and he became Baal Teshuva. And he became the student of Reish Lakish. I'm oh, sorry, of Rabbi Yochanan. Reish Lakish became the student of Rabbi Yochanan. And eventually his Chavruta, his Chavruta, his learning partner. And he was very, very Harif. You know, Harif is uh, very sharp. He was sharp in terms like today you talk about Bilbil Harif, you know, hot pepper. And Rabbi uh, Reish Lakish was tremendously sharp. His brain was tremendously sharp. And he uh, would argue with Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan would say something, 25 proofs against him. 
and they would argue about halakha and argue about different uh, histories. Over here is a tremendous argument between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish says she covered Sisera with a blanket, smicha, with a smicha. So Reish Lakish said, I searched the whole Torah and I never found this word smicha. So what is smicha? He says it stands for two words. Shemiko. Hashem says, my name gives witness that she never did any aviraz with him. She never did a sin with him. She was totally modest, totally, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, uh, very, very sensitive. She would never have relations with him. And she, she was very proper. Um, Gael and Hashem puts his name to give witness that he never touched her and she never touched him. So even though he came into the tent, so she covered him with a smicha. Today, smicha is a blanket. From here, we learn it from here. But Reish Lakish says it wasn't a blanket. It was Hashem saying, I am witness. Shemiko, uh, my name is here. My name is giving witness that they never fooled around. Sister and Yad never fooled around. And uh, what happens is she gave him milk to drink. The Torah tells us. She opened the milk and she gave him to drink and she covered him with a blanket and told her, stand at the entrance of the tent to be the guard. If anyone comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. So no one's going to burst into your tent. It's a woman's tent. Two of them just burst into the tent. So just, you, you'll be the one who'll tell them that no one here, and they'll believe you. So what does she do? He goes to sleep. He had milk. Makes a person very drowsy. He's ran away. He's running all day. Very tired. He goes to sleep. She takes a tent peg, and she places a hammer in her hand, and she comes to him stealthily, and drove the peg into his temple and went into the ground. So he was, he was knocked, his brain was knocked out by a tent peg into the ground by the hands of this woman, Yael. And amazing, amazing story, uh, pretty bloodthirsty story. But he made mockery of God, Hashem made a mockery of him. Now the question is like this, why didn't she take a knife? Why, why take the tent peg? So a very smart move for two reasons. Number one reason is if he wakes up and he opens his eyes and sees her with a tent peg, so listen, she's uh, living in a tent. Maybe the tent came loose and she's busy with a tent peg. She had an alibi. If she came with a knife, he would know straight away what she's up to. So that's the reason why she used the tent peg. That's number one. Number two is halakhic reason. Um, we know men are not allowed to wear women's garments and women are not allowed to wear men's garments. You know, this is one of the eroding laws in Jewish law. This is one thing which is being eroded today. This moral law uh, to... Um, to uh, keep the sexes apart is being eroded today where men dress in drag and women dress in men's clothes. And, uh, so one of, the, one of the laws in those days were tightly enforced, um, enforced by the individual, not by society. Tightly enforced was uh, men don't wear women's garbs, women don't wear men's garbs, and a sword in those days was considered a man's garb. Women would not use a sword. So instead of using a knife, she used a tent peg. That's, that's one of the reasons. So two reasons. Number one, it's an alibi. And number two is she didn't want to use men's uh, uh, weapons. She used a tent peg. That's neither here nor there. That's not really a weapon. So, so what happened? She kills Sisera. Amazing, amazing. This woman had the strength of character to go and kill Sisera, this massive general. He was a, he was a, he was a giant of a man. And yeah, we're going to talk more about her. And uh, this, this is very fascinating. What was her name? Yael. What is Yael? What is Yael? This is, so number one is, the Midrash says in Shemot Rabbi, in, in the Midrash on Parshat in Shemot, where, where Yitro, Parshat Yitro, she's, and look what the Midrash says, Mi shekibel mitzvah, a person who accepted to do a mitzvah, that mitzvah will lead to more mitzvot in that person's household. So Yitro did a mitzvah, how? He, would, he helped Moshe, he accepted Moshe as his guest to escape from Pharaoh. He was willing to accept in his house Moshe Rabbein was running away from Pharaoh. He saved Moshe Rabbein his life. Yitro saved Moshe Rabbein his life. Yitro was running away. and uh, Sorry, Moshe was running away from Pharaoh. Yitro opens his house and he gets saved by uh, uh, saves Moshe. Moshe eventually marries Yitro's daughter Zipporah. But the Midrash says over here that because Yitro opened his house to Moshe, his descendants are going to do more mitzvot. What was the mitzvah? That Yael opened up her door to the 
to the to the enemy of Israel, and she got rid of him. So in other words, a mitzvah never gets unpaid. It's always paid back. The rabbis say mitzvah, gorer mitzvah. One mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. So Yitro did mitzvot, and his own grandchildren did mitzvot as well. So Yael, this is a mitzvah that she did. She saved Am Israel, getting rid of this enemy of the Jewish people. She gets rid of this enemy of the Jewish people, Baruch Hashem. And this is in merit of her great-grandfather Yitro. So a very interesting concept, this concept that you do a mitzvah, and you're guaranteed that your grandchildren will do a mitzvah as well. So Bezrat Hashem will all do mitzvot, and we're guaranteed that it will come back into the family. You see people today doing Bale Chuba. And out of nowhere, somehow they've got Bale Chuba, and this is the merit of the parents and grandparents. This is the merit of the parents and grandparents. Some grandparent has had merit, some mitzvah, and this child's going to come back into the family. It's amazing. You see it today. There's so many Bale Chuba today around. And they will tell you stories that grandparents were religious, great grandparents were religious. Uh, so it's very fascinating how things come back. And we see this with Yael. She did a mitzvah because it's payback for the mitzvah that her great grandfather Yitro did by welcoming Moshe into the house. So, very interesting idea. So, that, so we had Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish says, Smicha, the word Smicha, Shemi Ko. My name, Hashem says, is here. I guarantee you that they never sinned. Rael didn't do anything bad with, with Sisera. And uh, she made him, he was tired. She gave him some milk to drink and she bumped him off. Amazing. She had the power, character to be able to do this. So this is interesting. The, the Midrash says in Bereshit Rabbah, chapter 10, Sisera Mahu Safo was the end of Sisera. Sisera would curse God and make a mockery of God, and therefore he had a mock's death, which means he died by the hand of a woman. As it says, we're going to see later on, Hashem will sell Sisera into the hands of this woman, into the hands of Yael. And so therefore the, the heroines of Israel in that generation saved that generation with two women, Yael and Devorah saved that generation from their enemies. And they, they raised not just to save the enemies, but Deborah was busy in doing outreach. And she raised the spiritual level of the Jewish people. A lot of people became Barachuba at that time. And so she fought, she led Barak to fight the war in, in the name of God. And they were victorious. And that was a tremendous miracle, like we said, like a six day war. It's a tremendous miracle in the name of God. People knew it was done by God. That's why Barak wanted wanted uh, Devorah to be with him, so everyone would know that the prophetess predicted that God would save them, and Hashem made the miracle, and therefore a lot of people did Teshuvah. You see, Hashem has the power to do miracles. He beat these two great enemies, these, these mighty warriors, uh, their armies, and their chariots, and therefore a lot of people did Teshuvah. Amazing, amazing story of Teshuvah. So we have this concept of Megalgalim Zuchut Zakai. Hashem makes merits happen through someone who is meritable meritorious. So Devorah is meritorious, and the merit came through her. A lot of people became Bada Chuba. Yael was meritorious, and she got rid of all our physical and spiritual enemies. She got rid of Sisera, these two women, tremendous women, who are heroines of the Jewish people. And what's interesting is her name. Let's just, just try and figure out her name, Yael. Interesting, we're, in Dafyomi, we're just doing the Gemara of Rosh Hashanah. And the mission says in Rosh Hashanah, that you use the, the horn shofar of a Yael Pashut. That's a Mishnah Rosh Hashanah, talks about which shofar to blow, Yael Pashut. So uh, a, a, a straight horn of a Yael. Rashi explains Yael is a springbok, a springbok, which is like a wild goat. So wild goat uh, is horns, and Yael means a wild goat. That's interesting. That's one explanation. So wild goats are tremendously strong. I don't know if you've seen this. There's movies you can see on YouTube of two wild goats fighting on the mountains. A wild, oh gosh, scary. You see how they're running, jumping on the mountain and banging horns on each other and trying to push each other off the mountain. It's really, this is really scary stuff. I wouldn't recommend it uh, if, you're, if you're squeamish. Don't see it. I, I, don't, I don't like to see it, but just interesting to note to see how strong these mountain goats are. So Yael is a mountain goat. That's, that's the strength of character she had. Obviously, she was also very strong to be able to knock this peg into this guy, knock this, knock this guy off uh, to kill this guy, uh, Sisera. 
very strong character, very strong woman. So uh, a good name for that kind of uh, person, Yael, Shabbat the mountain goats. There's another interesting uh, translation of Yael, which is from a pasuk in Shira Shirim, Shlomo Melech says, actually in Mishle, Shlomo Melech says, Yalat Chen. Yalat Chen is a beautiful woman. Yalat Chen. So um, it's interesting we say this, we have a song. Yala, Yala, Oilegani. Which is interesting, so beautiful girl, come to my uh, garden. So Ya'ala, Ya'ala, uh, not the Arabic word, but uh, Ya'ala is a name for beauty. Ya'ala Khen, beautiful uh, girl. So she was named Ya'el, either because it's the definition of a mountain goat, and she was strong like a mountain goat, or she was beautiful as well. So you can say both. She was strong and beautiful. It's a nice name. A lot of girls today have this name, Ya'el, named after our heroine. A lot of people don't know that there's a Ya'el in the, in the Torah. Here is the Ya'el. Strong through her came miracles, and we owe her a debt of favor that because of her we are around today. So, one of the reasons why we're around today, when this defeated by Sisera, is because Yael defeated Sisera and she knocked him out basically. Okay, we are moving on now to what's one of the songs in the Bible. One of the songs of the Bible is Shirat Devorah, the song of Devorah. Now, it's interesting that there are 10 songs in the Torah. There are 10 songs in the Torah. Some of them you wouldn't even think about, you wouldn't even know about. I just want to go through very briefly these 10 songs in the Torah. And the first song is not even mentioned in the five books. It's mentioned in the prophet Yeshayahu. Then there was a song that they sang in Egypt. We don't have any record in the Torah of a song they sang in Egypt. So this is brought down in the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. Hashir hazeh yelachem kalil hikadesh hal. It was a song to sanctify the Pesach, the first Pesach in Egypt that we have no records of in the Torah itself. So that's brought down by uh, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 30. The second song we all know about is a song they sang by the sea, Moshe, which we say every single morning in our prayers to recognize the glory of God, the greatness of God. It's one of the things we have to remember every day. One of the ten remembrances we mention every day. Yitziat Mitzrayim, Hashem has the power to save a person from their Mitzrayim. Hashem has the power to save us from our troubles. Hashem has the power to save us from our distress. So a person is in distress. David says, From my distress, from my straits, I called out to God. Hashem, please answer me and widen my straits. Open up the straits. You know, when a person is in despair, they have troubles, cry out to God and Hashem has the power to save us. Person to always remember. Hashem has the power to save us. It's one of the things we have to remember every single day. How do we remember this? We remember the fact that Hashem took us out from Egypt, from out of the house of bondage, out of slavery. Hashem has the power to save us from all our troubles. That's basically what it means. And we say this in the Shema. The last part of the Shema is all about coming out of Egypt. We say this in the morning, we say it in the evening, but we have to remember when we say that last paragraph, we have to remember Hashem has the power to save us from all our troubles. So that was the second song in the Torah, song, which is we say every morning, Az Yashir Moshe, Tashirah Zot. Now it's interesting because the word Az means, and then Moshe Rabbeinu will sing Az Yashir Moshe. Well, it's not about the past. Uh, that's when Moshe sings. So when he's saying Az Yashir Moshe, then Moshe Rabbeinu will sing. So Rabbi say Moshe Rabbeinu will come back. Time of the Messiah, and he will sing another song, which we're going to see is the 10th song. The 10th song is the song that we will sing at redemption. All the Jewish people will, will sing another song, thanking God for the deliverance. Now, it's very important, critical that we sing songs. The praise to God, to acknowledge, thank God, really, a person going to sing songs of praise to God. And if something good happens in their lives, throw a party. That's where the Kiddush came from. <laughs> the origins of Kiddush is for good things, because it says in the temple, when a person had something good to happen, they had to bring what's called a korban toda, Thanksgiving offering. And with a Thanksgiving offering, they had to bring 40 loaves of bread. So uh, 30 of them were matzah, different kinds of matzah, and, 30, and 10 of them were hametz. So can you imagine, 40 loaves of bread, obviously he has to eat it that day, that same day. He can't eat by himself, and therefore he has to make a kiddush. He has to call all his friends, make a party and split up all this bread and make it easy that, that day. So that's the origins of a Kiddush. It's a thanksgiving. 
So one of the ways of thanksgiving is to sing songs of praise to God. One of the biggest songs of praise to God. If you have anything good in your life, it's the last psalm. The last psalm, the 150th psalm, according to our tradition. You know, I was at the, at the shrine of the book. They found manuscripts of uh, different books uh, in the cave of the Essenes in the Dead Sea. And over there, they had a book of psalms. I think they had 157 psalms. So we have 150 in our book. They had 157. Interesting. But the, if, you're, if you want to ever sing a song of praise to God, because something good happened in your life, I recommend highly the last psalm of King David, which is uh, Hallelujah. It's a full of praise of God. Ten times, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. All right, and that's a very important psalm, beautiful psalm to praise God of anything good because in life a person should sing a song. That's the, one of the songs we should choose. Or when you sing Azashi Moshev in the morning, have in mind your own uh, crossing of the sea, crossing the troubles, crossing across the troubles of life. So that's song number two, song number three. The third one is they, song, they sang a song for the well of Miriam. Ale Ber, Ale Anula. This song for the appreciation of this well that accompanied them in the desert, gave them water, gave them life in the desert. Forty years in the desert, they had water from this well. Now they praised God. How they praised God? They sang a song. That's number three. Number four, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of his life, he writes the words of this song. So, so as Parshat Hazinu is a song, written in a song form. He writes it down. And the rabbi said, you know, this is a mitzvah. The last mitzvah of the Torah is a mitzvah to write down the words of this song. <clears throat> and it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch to write down the whole Torah. The whole Torah is a song. But uh, it's really referring to this parsha of Hazinu, but the Halakha says it referring to the whole book of Torah. So it's a mitzvah, every person in their lifetime to write a seven Torah. Today, the Rosh, Rabbi Asher, famous rabbi who was in Germany and then he became the rabbi in Spain, he says we perform this mitzvah by buying books to learn Torah. So when any time you go to the Jewish bookstore, you buy a book to learn parts of the Torah, Chumash, Oral Law, uh, Gemara, Mishnah, you're fulfilling this mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah, because the whole purpose of writing a Sefer Torah is to learn from it. So when you buy a book to learn, you buy the art scroll Chumash, you're definitely fulfilling part of the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. You buy any other holy book to learn Torah, you're fulfilling part of the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Okay. So that's mitzvah, that's the song number four was the song of Hazinu, Parsha Hazinu, or some say it's the song of the whole Torah. The fifth song is the song that Joshua sang. So this is Joshua chapter 10. He sang a song of praise to God after helping God help him conquer Israel, at least most of Israel, and splitting up the tribes. The sixth song is the song we're going to talk about right now, the song of Devorah and Barak. The song they sang when they won the war against Yavin and Sisera. The seventh song is the song which we're going to come to with Israel Hashem David Amelech sang when he won his wars. The eighth song is Shlomo Amelech sang his more Shir Hanukkah Tabayit David, which we're going to sing on Hanukkah. This is the song of Hanukkah, his more Shir Hanukkah Tabayit David, when he dedicated the house of David. So even though Shlomo Amelech built the house, and Shlomo Amelech dedicated the house, he calls it the house of David. It's beautiful for the son to call the Bet HaMikdash after his father. That's it credit to his father. He's giving kavod to his father, David, because David really wanted to build a Bet HaMikdash. He wasn't allowed to build a Bet HaMikdash. The prophet says, your hands are full of blood. You fought many wars. I want a man of peace to build my house, Hashem says. And therefore, David Amelech, with great reluctance, doesn't build the house, but what he does is he gathers all the materials for his son to build a Bet HaMikdash. When Shlomo built a Bet HaMikdash, he sang this psalm, it's more Shem, it's going to David, Psalm 30. Psalm 30, which is also part of our prayers every single morning. We just skip the first line. Arumukha Hashem Ki Diritani is the second line of Ms. Morshir Hanukkah David. Interesting. We skip the first line. We only say the first line on Hanukkah. So this is the Psalm of Hanukkah, which is uh, the song number eight. The ninth song is the song of Yehoshaphat. Yehoshaphat, people don't know about Yehoshaphat. Yehoshaphat was one of the famous kings of Judah, a big Sadiq. And he sang songs of praise to God again when he won his battle. This is brought down in in the book of Chronicles uh, 2, chapter 20. 
And the tenth song will be sung in Mashiach comes. Bezrat Hashem in the Gula. What is Gula? What is redemption? So Gemara says redemption is when all the Jews go back to Israel. It's not when the Mashiach comes per se, it's when Jews go back to Israel. So everyone in America, please buy your tickets. And it's it's paid for. Nefesh Benefesh is paying for all the tickets. You just have to make sure you have enough money to live on <laughs> when you get here. So how do you make a million in Israel? And the answer is you may bring two million. So okay. So, okay, thank God I'm here. I'm very happy. Thank God I'm here. Baruch Hashem. I recommend it. I recommend it. If you have some money saved up, now's the time to come to Israel before the dollar is totally worthless. The dollar is tremendously worthless in Israel. The shekel is so it's one of the miracles of modern day Israel is the shekel. I never thought I'd ever see in my lifetime a strong shekel. So it's a strong shekel. You get three, 3.1 shekels to the dollar. I don't remember it ever being so low. 3.1 shekels to the dollar. Apartment houses are very, very expensive compared to houses in America. Forget it. Forget it unless you have 800,000 in the bank to buy an apartment. 800 in Yerushalayim, at least, or Tel Aviv. It's very expensive. But uh, if you have some money saved up, you can rent. Still under $2,000 a month, you can get rent, you can get something nice. But uh, mitzvah and the Torah, sing the song when Mashiach comes. Because Rabbi Hashem will all be able to sing the song when Mashiach comes. As Yashem Moshe, then Moshe will sing. He'll come back and he'll sing with us. Rabbi Hashem will see this together. We'll sing the song of praise to God. Anyway, so Devorah is singing the song of praise. And what does she start off with? She starts off with the giving of the Torah, which is very interesting. Uh, what's the connection to Devorah, the giving of the Torah? Because we said the people sinned. They didn't keep the Torah. And that's why Shem sent the enemies against us. And that's how Devorah starts off her, her, her song. And uh, so he talks about, she talks about Mith Matan Torah. And that's interesting because it's a famous Midrash. The Midrash says when Hashem wanted to give the Torah, the different mountains, they heard he's going to give the Torah on the mountain. All the mountains came to God. One of the mountains that came to God was Har Tabor, which is where this battle started. On Har Tabor, it says she gathered Barak on Har Tabor and Har Carmel. So two mountains come and Hashem says, no, I want to give the, mountain, the Torah on the lowest mountain. It's a sign of humility. So Har Sinai, which is the lowest mountain, gets the Torah. Every kid in school in yeshiva knows this famous Midrash. They always draw pictures of mountains and Sinai and they give you the Torah and Pasha Yitro. They draw everybody. Every kid knows this story. So the Midrash. So anyway, so it's interesting because Har Tavor gets payback in this, in this song. Har Tavor, which was asked God to give the Torah on Har Tavor, what is the angel of Har Tavor? Um, and Har Tavor gets paid back that the victory was on Har Tavor. So Hatavor gets paid back. You wanted the Torah, I'm going to give you a victory. Har Carmel also want the Torah. Hashem says, no, I'm not going to give the Torah on Har Carmel, but I'll give you something else. Because you came to me to get the Torah, which is like a merit, I'm going to give you something else. The great miracle that Eliyahu Navi did, which we're going to talk about, but Israel should get to Eliyahu Navi, when, all the, when he uh, challenged the prophets of Baal, and uh, 400 prophets of Baal, and he offered up a sacrifice to God, and the fire came from heaven, and all the Jews said, Hashem, who Elohim, Hashem, who Elohim, God is God, God is God. And that was the, the gift to Har uh, Carmel. So if you go to Har Carmel today, unfortunately, there's, a, there's some kind of, uh, what is a monastery or there's other things over there. There's uh, other religions that have taken over. They've built a beautiful, uh, uh, what's that religion? I don't know. It's an Iranian religion, uh, Zoroastrian, I think it is. But they built their, their little uh, monastery or whatever it is over there. But there's still, you can go there. There's a cave of Eliyahu Navi, apparently. Who knows if that's the right one? But that's where he did this miracle. It's good to know. Har Carmel in Haifa has a nice, uh, I don't know, uh, has a train. Today has a train. Um, and you can go there and see this, uh, this Prophet Elijah's uh, cave. Anyway, so she immortalizes Har Tabor. She talks about the giving of the Torah. And she talks about the greatness of Barak and Yael. And uh, so this is a song of praise to God um, that she wrote. And it's interesting because this song is sung by us. Every parashat b'shalach. Every parashat b'shalach, the haftarah is the song of Devorah. It's interesting, there's a connection. So the crossing of the sea is a miracle. 
and the miracle of the brook Kishon, which swallowed up the chariots of Barak. So it was thought opposite. So the, the crossing of the sea, it says the, uh, the, the Pharaoh was swallowed by the sea in the, dead, in the, in the Red Sea, that uh, his uh, chariots were swallowed up by the sea. And here the chariots were swallowed up by this brook, or the stream or river of Kishon. So that's the similarity between the two songs. That's why the song of Deborah is sung at the same time as uh, the song of, of Crossing of the Sea. So Pasha Bishalak, we sing the Azir Shemasheh, and uh, the Haftarah is the song of Deborah. That's another question. The Midrash says that at the time of the Crossing of the Sea, the Jewish people had a very low level emunah. And it's interesting because they witnessed the 10 plagues and they witnessed the, the, the miracle of leaving Egypt but they still did not believe that God is going to save them again. They did not believe, that's what the Midrash says, they were tane imuna. they had small faith. They were people of small faith. How do, how do you know? Because the Midrash says, they said, just like we are crossing the sea and going on the other side, the Egyptians are also crossing the sea. We can cross the sea. The Egyptians are also going to cross the sea. So the sea which had absorbed all the dead Egyptians, Hashem says to the sea, spit them out. The sea says, I'm not going to spit them out. You can't give me a present and take it away. Hashem says, I'll give you more of a present. I'll give you a bigger present later on. And the bigger present is later on, I'm going to give you 900 chariots. The Egyptians have 700 chariots. I'm going to give you 900 chariots at the time of Sisera. So the, uh, the brook Kishon washes, washes the chariots of, of uh, Sisera down into the sea. The sea gets compensated for what it lost by spitting out the Egyptians. Why did it spit out the Egyptians? So that the Jews with small faith could see the dead Egyptians on the shore. And they can see the miracle that God did for them. So a person with small faith doesn't realize how much God does for them. They don't see it. They can't see the miracle because they don't believe that the God is going to do a miracle for them. And therefore they don't see the miracle. So it's very important to, to not to be small faith. A person's going to see the miracles in our lives. And we're going to, we're going to say this soon on Hanukkah. Just read the English translation, it's such amazing. We have to praise God for all the miracles God does for us. In those days, and also nowadays, we have to see the miracles of our days. When I look around me in Yushalayim, I don't recognize Yushalayim. Everything, there's cranes and, and, build, and the building and the construction is just one big construction piece. Yushalayim is a construction piece. Baruch Hashem, I've never seen Israel flourishing like this. Amazing, and the technology is amazing. Baruch Hashem, we're in the Messianic era for sure. The Gula is happening around us. Jews are coming back to Israel. The economy is booming. Uh, corona is a, right now is a thing of the past. Israel Hashem should always be a thing of the past. And Israel Hashem, we witness more miracles like we have with Devorah and Barak now. Too. Next week, same time, I'm going to have a special class. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.